0: The words of Dr. Martin Luther King, I have a dream, I have a dream indeed. And that dream is still in progress. A long way to go in our world and in our life uh, to get to a point where everybody is treated as an equal. But uh, a, a speech from Dr. Martin Luther King here as we record Lacrosse Classified on Martin Luther King Day uh, a day before the program comes out. My name is Jay Kelly. Uh, my co host name is Brad Challoner. This is episode 115. And it is uh, going to be a jam packed one, man. We got a lot to talk about this week, Brad. We got a great guest lined up. Uh, Jim are back, of course, with something else. Quick Sticks. Uh, Stampede Stallion in the mix as well and her calls to the hall goes out to an absolute buffalo bandit legend you said on twitter earlier today maybe the longest serving captain in nll history in one richard kilgore being on the program uh, coming up here 2010 inductee i want to say Going in a couple of years after, three years after Brother Daris, uh, Richie Kilgore, first time on the program coming up. Uh, We'll look forward to this, and and I'll look forward to a conversation with you here for the next hour or so. Brad Challoner, how are you?
2: I'm well. It's also, it's NLK Day, it's also Blue Monday, which Hmm. is supposed to be the most depressing day of the year, but as we speak right now on Monday afternoon, three o'clock West Coast time. Sunshine just pouring into both of our windows right now. Yes, um, I've been cooped up working all day, and I'm going to be by the time we're done this podcast, it'll be dark, so I won't get any chance to take any of that sunshine in today. But I, I don't feel depressed today, I feel like today is a good day. Um, it's a good day around the world being, ML, being MLK Day, it's a good day. You know, for myself personally, I, I just I don't feel draggy well, today. Good. Feel like I'm having that New Year lull, and I, I don't even know what Blue stand. Monday is. I'll what feel is the that? Same. Let's bring, it's tech. It's scientifically proven to be the most depressing day today. of the year because usually a couple a couple of news after New Year's, the bank you know the bank statements roll in. Ah. People are in debt. The high of the holidays is over. You're ah. back to the grind. Condo sh- insurance is usually usually shitty weather across. <laughs> <laughs> the world in, in January, no matter where you are, car insurance me, is up. Uh, need a new driver's, driver's
0: license, license. yeah. Now, yeah, he, it's
2: supposed to be the most pressing day of the year, okay. But, uh, I, I don't think it is, and I'm glad that we get to hang out and sort of buck the trend, yes, and, me and, too. And have some fun today, man. And Richie the- Kilgore, uh, Iroquois Nationals head coach, world championships 2019 and 2015, I believe. So, I want to talk to him about that and growing the game with the Iroquois Nationals and yeah I put out on Twitter uh, he was captain for 12 of his 18 seasons with Buffalo mm-hmm. and I said got to be the longest serving captain in the National Lacrosse League history proved me wrong and no one has as of 3 o'clock Monday afternoon so okay. Jimmy Veltman was 10 years a captain in Toronto yeah, and I think possibly a couple years as a captain in Buffalo before that so he might have been the longest serving captain yeah. In the NLL, but not for one team. And I don't know. Brody Merrill
0: would have stayed on one team. He probably would have done it, but he bounced around a whole bunch.
2: Is there a record for captaining the most teams? How long was JT
0: captain in Buffalo for? I
2: guess not. Yeah, not not too long. Because he wasn't even anointed after Richie Kilgore. Like there was a couple other guys in between. Right. Kilgore and JT to even wear
0: that C. Interesting. Yeah, good uh, little nugget there, as you say. Nuget, man. Yeah, man. I, and you're yeah. right, man. It is like a banner day out there here in British Columbia right now. Not a cloud in the sky. And, uh, no. yeah, you're right. Like, I'd love to be out there right now, but I'm happy to be here talking some lacrosse with you for the next hour or so. And
2: Jumbo and I got to spend time in the same room yes, this week. Yes, we did. Which was well, every uh, now and pretty then you special. Saw,
0: you saw my hand come, uh, like, you know floating out of space (laughs) into your window there but yeah we got to uh it was nice man that that really brought me back to a bit of normalcy like some you know i got to put the suit jacket on and kind of get prepped up and and throw on a mic get in front of a camera like it man it was
2: good for the soul and and good to see you as well and uh ec junior a lacrosse league uh u16 draft for people who don't know what we're what we're talking about we got to welcome uh a crop of u16s to the bc junior a lacrosse league they were free agents from organizations that don't have junior a teams um and they got picked up in the junior a draft this year pretty familiar name
0: going number one Brad.
2: Yeah, one Cody Malowski, who got picked up uh, a trade from the Langley Thunder to to take Delta Islanders number one overall pick to move up the board and take Cody Malowski and might not have been pound for pound the best player in the draft, but a very strategic move by the Langley Junior Thunder to get uh, a player with some pedigree. And what you also get is is potentially a lot of people that want to play around Cody Mulowski. Well, here's what they a, said about Cody. Or maybe Brad. a trade, or maybe a trade bait took Aquilum somewhere down the road, but some gamesmanship from the Langley Thunder.
0: Well, here's sure. what they're saying about Cody Mulowski, and 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 they they said they didn't even factor Father Kurt, uh, not Derek's boy, it's Kurt's boy, that into the into the conversation or into the equation. They knew that Cody may not have been the pe- best pure talent in that draft, but they said what what Cody brings to the table is that he makes everybody around him better, and that's the type of player that they wanted to get into Langley. So, uh, interesting selection there, and, and they give up the four-pick and a starting goaltender as well to get it, but uh, they get their guy, Cody Malowski, and then... Uh, Gordon Cask, boy. Uh, now he's Jack Cask, I believe, first name there. Goaltender being picked very early. And Jackson Smart, I believe. Uh, so a couple of Jacks off the board at two and three to Coquitlam, who held four of the top eight selections in that draft as they were moving and shaking on the opening
2: round. Jacks off the board. Careful now. Yeah. Um, but the Delta Islanders <laughs> trade number one to go to number four and they picked up Jordy Vincent who by talking to a lot of GMs and coaches before that draft a kid from Comox um he might be pound for pound the best actual player who ends up going number four to Delta and you know there's a couple NLL scouts that called him Rubish like mm. and and that's a scary scary proposition so look out for Jordy Vincent down the road as well as Jackson Smart, Cody Malowski and uh and Jack Haskell.
0: Yeah, almost uh, close to a thousand viewers there on TFSC TV watching coast that to team. coast. Yeah, man. The,
2: com- the commissioner from Alberta was watching. I got a lot of texts and, and tweets from people back east watching. So I know That's some good. of the junior teams back there. But so hopefully Alberta and and Ontario can roll something out similar very soon.
0: And we'll be doing the WA draft as well, right back there at the Langley Event Center. I want to say early February, second week of February, something like that. Feb so stay 11th, tuned. Yeah. Eleven, finally,
2: with Thursday night.
0: So stay tuned for that. We'll keep updated right here on Lax Class, but yeah. All the
2: expert analysis on players that we haven't seen play in over a year. (laughs) Athlete. Agreed. Uh, Uh Yeah. (laughs)
0: So, yeah, look forward to that. We'll keep you up to date, and uh, thanks to everybody involved with that. That was quite the undertaking there by by the folks at the LEC and, and the BC Junior Lacrosse League, and and all things considered with all the moving pieces they had going on and that thing uh, came off pretty seamlessly. I know there was some dead air there and, and what have you, but, uh, man, uh, what a what an undertaking, and, and they got it done. So that was great. Had a good time, and look forward to the WA draft as well um
2: what else here in opening Do you want i was gonna to say to you should we, talk, we should talk maple ridge here because the debate that kicks off every year around oh, this bc man. junior A draft this year is uh it it and it, it always it always kind of does but for for people who haven't followed um the bc junior lacrosse league um th- this midget draft is u16 draft is usually full of 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 a1 midget a1 players u16 a1 players from maple ridge Hit meadows right because they don't have a junior A team. Those players are get to be free agents and get flooded around the BC Junior a Lacrosse League. But Maple Ridge now has A, they're producing some of the best players in junior a lacrosse that are getting drafted by other teams. But this is an organization that now has minor numbers that that rival anywhere in BC are usually number one or number two minor association. So Maple Ridge has been trying to get themselves a junior A team so when their kids do become of age, they don't have to break up and go play across the, the BC Junior Lacrosse League. They want them to stay together and and play for the same organization and challenge for a Minto cup, which which is the crop of kids that are coming up now for Maple Ridge could probably be doing in a couple of years had they stuck together. But the BC Junior Lacrosse League has said time and time again over well, the years. Well, Brad, I want, I want to stop
0: you right there because you say time and time again, and, and I want to make something clear here that twice – maple Ridge has put in an application for a junior a team so i don't know if that is because the window to to put an application in is only three years every three years you're allowed to do it or whatever the case is but on two separate occasions have been maple Ridge has submitted an application i think that is part of not only the fact that 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 they don't want to expand, they don't want to water down the talent pool because they think it's going to be harder to win Minto Cups, but I think the way that that organization, and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus or names out there or anything, but the way that the application process was, was made was not particularly done the proper way, which was also a bit of a sticking point with the Board of Governors. So. Uh, the, I want to make sure I, I, I've heard you mention time and time again, and and it's just not two times, two yeah, times, two do, you, time. do
2: you know? Do you know the specific years? I don't
0: know the specific years, and I believe it was two separate groups that went through the process
2: on each so singular be, time. And, and that was a, a at least a couple years ago because we yes. were talking about that on. So here's on the thing, back in May. So Maple Ridge must be due to put in another proper yeah. application coming up soon.
0: Absolutely, they are. And and listen whether they did it the right way, the wrong way, whatever. This is a city and a town, A, deserves a Junior A team. There is no doubt about it. Whether a team needs to fold to get them out there or or whatever the case is or whether you give them an expansion team, get it done because this city and this town, this organization deserves a team. Whether that sacrifices other teams' talent pools and and a chance to win the Minto Cup in the West – Sometimes doing things for the greater good and growing the game is the right thing to do. And I think that's where we're at here as far as Maple Ridge getting a team. The other thing, though, they're out there in the Ridge, Brad, and you know it just as well. It's great, you know, taking a game in at Cam Neely Arena and the the comfy confines and all the rest of it. But that city also needs a new arena desperately. And I think that's also been a sticking point with the league as well so it's time for an update in in both getting that team a city a team and getting that city a new arena it's high time and i want to see it happen And and i'm honestly like there's people that are against this and i know we're getting off track here but like It's time. Like, it's time. They have more numbers in that city than any other minor organization in the province, and it's time. So
2: quit making up
0: reasons not to, and let's start making reasons to make it happen.
2: I was gonna say, just to fill in a couple of gaps, the, the conspiracy theories that float around, well, A, one's not really a conspiracy. The BC Junior A League doesn't want to expand because they don't want another team sort of watering down the other teams, right? But the other conspiracy theory is that you you know, a team like Lange or, or Delta, who both drafted heavily from Maple Ridge, they don't want to vote, they don't want it because they're getting some of their best players from them. That's the hundred conspiracy theory. And I think It's not a conspiracy. Are, But if teams are voting that selfishly, then... The next time this comes, that's forward, a problem. They need, they need to pull their heads out of their ass and vote to grow the game, and not to not to grow their own. Grow, help grow your own minor organizations. That's the fix that we yeah. should be putting on, Listen. and not voting no because you want Maple Ridge players on your on your on your roster. And uh, Coquitlam
0: may Ridge. be one of those teams, but I think over the last five years they've had like, two, or maybe not five years, two three years, but they've had like two Maple Ridge players come through their organization. Well, They
2: haven't had draft picks enough. <laughs> well, exactly. So they, you know, a lot it's they will in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, and people point the finger and and whatever like i I'm probably not making any f- friends on, on this podcast right now as far as the board of governors go at junior a lacrosse but so be it man like I, i'm just i'm sick of the discussion this has been going on for the better part of what brad like six at seven years. years at
2: least five years like Maybe get longer.
0: like seriously stop it and make this happen and let's go forward please Man, Brett, I was not planning the getting all riled up here in, in quarter number one. We still have lots to talk about. Uh, gotta
2: save some energy for the fourth quarter, man. Can't well, can't blow it out here. No, pace yourself. We can't.
0: Um, you gotta start strong. Gambling in the National Lacrosse League. This this topic came up to me. Uh, I, I can't remember where. I think it was in our chat group. But my question was, like, oh, it was during the National College football game, and the over-under in that game was set at 75 points. For, for handicappers, like, that's a massive total for a football game. But yet the final score, the total was 76 points. So the boys there in, in Las Vegas at, at the casinos who, who set the lines for the books, I don't know how these guys do it, Brad, Like, but they were in within a point of the over-under total in a one-off college football game. It's incredible what these guys do. But my question is, when the National Lacrosse League introduces gambling, whether it's through MGM or whoever, who are going to be the people setting the lines, the, the goal totals, the the, the point spreads, the, the odds on these National Lacrosse League? games because if you don't set it right you're it. either making a lot of money or you're losing a lot of money and i just i wonder who are they gonna get to be doing that job
2: well computers a i think that uh Data science is a huge part of that. Like, and especially with people in the National Lacrosse, Day where there there isn't a rich history and, and trends you can really draw from, you're going to be putting data in a computer and spitting out, okay, 25 goals average a game. You know, the average can't be 25 a night, but they'll look at what does Georgia score in a given game? What does Vancouver allow in a game? So you don't think it's like it free Shylock there. smoking big cigars? I, lo- I would love to think that. Like, sign me up. Give me <laughs> give me that job. I'll move to Vegas tomorrow to yeah, set well, lines for the NLL. That's what that I'm is, saying. Fun, fine, man. That's what I'm saying. But the saying. other thing that comes up, with the NLL does get there one day, is there needs to be transparency because if there injury are humans reports. setting those – Yeah, you need injury reports. You need lineup reports. That can't be – Well, even if most, computers the, are the setting most, the
0: lines, it's humans that are doing the betting, right? And they're the ones yeah, that need yeah, that Yeah, humans
2: need to know – before, you know, longer than five minutes before game time. Who's scratched? Who's gonna be who's on the starting? Team. And, some, and sometimes as a broadcaster, I don't know who's going to be in the lineup five minutes Finish. before a game. Because some, some coaches guard that. They're taking that to their grave, essentially. Who's coming off the practice roster? Who's getting activated before a game? Like, it's going to affect the other team's game plan heading into there based on what your fourth lefty is going to be like that night. Like, it, it's a little silly. Uh, but there needs to be transparency. So injury reports, not just upper body. Like you know, you need to know if it's well, a shoulder, mean, like even it's when six we were with the weeks, or if it's a knee and you're out. You know, Brad, year. But people need to know. Even these
0: when we were with the stealth in the circle of trust, like Locker would not, like he would wait until. Like twenty minutes oh, before face-off, we'd be, wa- face off we'd be to watching
2: get... them. We, we'd be watching guys <laughs> practice and run and Jumbo and I scrolling on the roster, going, "Do you see so and so? Do you see so and so? No, he's not there." But it's cra- this guy's, it's crazy this guy's though. He's not He's not going
0: because a guy like Derek Keenan in, in Saskatchewan, like he puts out his injury report on Tuesday. Like yeah, he's not playing this weekend, and like he he just doesn't care. Like I mean, he was I, like I, whatever. I, I thought-
2: I thought it was super refreshing The PLL was doing that last year. Like, yeah. here's not – who's not who's in the lineup this weekend? It's not just they were injured, but, like, you know, Jeremy Thompson was not going to be on the roster this week because he, he wasn't a fit or whatever it was going to be, right? Yeah.
0: Interesting. So, just, I don't know, uh, that that's something to keep your eye on on how that whole gambling, handicapping, all that sort of stuff is going to work here moving forward. And I don't know if it's going to happen for, for 2021, Brad, maybe 2022 – We don't know if a season's going to happen in 2021. What we do know, though, getting some some word through the back channels, if you will. uh, We mentioned probably, what, a month ago that they had shot down the idea of doing a bubble in Toronto at the track. Well, it comes to light that the vote, there was never really an official vote between the, the Board of Governors on this subject. It's come up again. As we move a little closer to April, into the new year we go here, and we're talking, you know, three months away, I don't know if fans are going to be allowed in buildings. I don't see it by April. Maybe May. There's, you know, rapid... There's all sorts of things coming out in in droves now, but I just don't know if, if they're swinging the doors open for major arenas to let fans inside the buildings. So... The idea of a 17-day of a bubble has come up once again here in Toronto, and I think that vote's going down this week
2: between the owners and the National Lacrosse League. Well, and and this came out after our show last week, but now there's a firm date for the PLL, which I think really expedites all of these decisions that need to be made by the National Lacrosse League. Because PLL said they're going, what, June June 15th, yeah, 14th or 15th, like like mid early June. So if any Canadian players want to play in the PLL based on what I think is going to be continuing with the borders and with, and with quarantines, you're, you're not having any Canadian players, either they're not going to be in the PLL or they're going to be in the PLL and not being available to the NLL. You know what I mean? Like if you're a Canadian that wants to play in the PLL, you're going to have to make the U S your home for the better part of three or four months, because you're not coming back. You know, you're not sleeping in Vancouver Sunday to Thursday and then no. flying to wherever. So it's to almost a, to like a flip side thing right?
0: here, Brad, where there are so many Canadian players in the National Lacrosse League that maybe Americans don't compete in the NLL this upcoming year and they keep the entire league north
2: of the border. And the only way to do that is to have a shortened bubble season. Like there, I, I think starting a season in April and trying to get into June is going to pose all those problems, right? So to me, right now, the only solution is to have a bubble pre-June and have all the players that want to play in the National Lacrosse League able to play in the National Lacrosse League, whether that's in April, May, or you know. And from I what I hear,
0: this is not like a cheap endeavor. We're talking like three, four hundred grand per team to send their team to a bubble for 17 days and play however many games, four or five games or whatever the case is. So
2: Yeah, so if you're wondering why why teams would vote no, there's your answer right there. It's, it's cost for a lot of teams, but at cost at what cost? Because if we lose another season, we're losing a lot we of are. momentum. But
0: here's an idea that was floated out to me, I, and I don't want to put his name out there because I don't want him to get in trouble, but he said – Maybe we don't start in the spring, but maybe we start in October and we play like a
2: 24 or 28 game schedule. So almost and then start again in January so you have a 21 season and a 22. No, season. you just
0: you start in October and you add on six, seven mm-hmm. games to an 18 game schedule. So you play an extra two months, add on eight games. Uh, so instead of eighteen, you're playing twenty six or twenty four or twenty eight, whatever. But so now you know, fans have vaccinated all the rest of it, fans in the building, and you're making money, not losing money by playing an extended season. Yeah, I, you and know, would, and
2: without would, would you do that permanently? You take. That I think that's the goal, right? Like yeah. uh, eventually,
3: you well, want to yeah, get to that. To start
2: in, yeah, yeah, they do want to start in as early as possible and end as early as possible because you get in trouble when you go into deep June. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to start. Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge
0: of getting home dates for NHL and NBA when you're fighting for arena dates becomes a little more when when you're starting it out. But, so, I don't know. Maybe we see a, a two-week bubble and it's just Canadian teams. I don't know. Uh,
2: yeah, you I, know, I don't like, like that. Then it's not really a season. Like I only see a bubble that works for everybody happening before june to get to get a season off otherwise we're not going to have one
0: yeah yeah and that i mean and then you're talking summer across and everything else so it's uh again just stay tuned because we we still we just we don't have the answers and i'm not sure we're going to until we're right up against it like what do we see there in, in nova scotia as far as rapid testing goes that guy was like getting his test back within minutes
2: there's also what in Nova Scotia right now is zero... New cases. I saw something, zero new cases and 25 active. Yeah. So, NLL to Halifax, let's go.
0: Yeah, let well, maybe I just... also
2: think that a good place for it would be, now that we're seeing what the NHL is doing, like, I just and I think Halifax is a great idea, but I, I don't know if Halifax or even the track are going to be options at this point. Like, I think you have to go somewhere. Or Toronto. I don't the, know. Or the, no, I think the building has to have experience now. So I think you're looking at like a major at, arena. You know, Calgary or, or Edmonton or Vancouver. Or a place that has low cases, but you've had the building now that they know how to put procedures on and protocols. Yeah. yeah, it's already locked in. So yeah, I think good you good point. Go to do it at one of those places. Good
0: point. I'm sure they're discussing and exploring every opportunity. But uh, here in a big vote going Winnipeg, down today, Winnipeg,
2: Manitoba, NLL bubble, Winnipeg, Manitoba. You heard it here
0: first. Sign me up, man! I'd be more than happy to pop into a bubble for for bubble for 14, 17 days to work. Like get like I'd be eager to do that. <laughs> I'm with you uh, Man, we've had a monster opening quarter here So we won't spend too much time on it this week But we haven't even got to our Stampede Stallion of the week uh, Presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, of course Number one outlet for Wrangler And uh, also carrying Outback Trading Company They have the Australian Outback uh, The Lowrider Duster out there And uh, the Bush Ranger Jacket as well they got all sorts of jackets, to be quite frank with you. Check them out at stampede.ca, where Shopping Online is still shopping local. Or head on out to Cloverdale. The Dale, they call it, uh, the locals. Uh, corner 10 and 180th, stampede.ca, Shopping Online, still shopping local. And uh, check out everything that they have to offer. And they are offering up the Stampede Stallion of the Week this week. Brad, my pick, and uh, going with the defender... This week, and a guy that has had a heck of a career and still going, spending his time with the New England Wolves now, 35-year-old, 6'1", 185 out of Auburn, New York, I believe resides in Denver. That could not be true anymore, but uh, has spent time with Boston, Minnesota, Colorado, and now New England. G Downs, Greg Downing is this year, uh, this week's Stampede Stelling of the Week, and and I'll let you wax on here about Down Downing for a second. But here is my my one Downing story. I can't believe I'm gonna tell it. Greg Downing, not a big social media guy, and uh, I think he was on Twitter for like a hot minute, and some like he was on and off. So Dylan Ward, one night I see this retweet from Dylan Ward. And I look at it, and it's a Greg Downing tweet. And all as it says was, I just crop dusted the entire flight of Delta 647. So if anyone doesn't know what crop dusting is, look it up. So Dylan retweets this. And then I look at Downing's account. It is literally his one and only tweet. He tweeted that. And then she- and re- retired <laughs> undefeated. I just crop tested the entire Delta 647 flight.
2: <laughs> and a lot of life on the road. Ah, oh,
0: man, what a legend.
2: Uh, but well, what I'm a what a career
0: good. here, starting back in, in, what, 2008 for Downing and still going strong.
2: Yeah, Boston Blazers, Minnesota Swarm, uh, Colorado Mammoth, New England Black Wolves, um, you know, and the thing that just comes to mind for me is an American defenseman that does not play like an American defenseman. Like he is, first my thought saw him play and looked up, you know, who he was. Like, oh, this guy's American. That surprised me just because of the grit that he plays with on that back end, like following in the tradition of of a Reggie Thorpe or a Chris O'Doherty, Like just a mean American back ender. And puts up some numbers too, like not in the gold department, but he's a loose ball and a cause turnover guy and, and a great teammate and always bounces back and always finds himself a home in the National Lacrosse League. So I, uh, I like this pick, Jumbo. I know you've got a list of a backlogged ready to yeah. go to pull out on any given minute, but I think you mentioned you wanted to go with him a lot earlier. I did. And, uh, big yeah, fan. They don't, they don't yeah. really make him like that. A big team USA defender, yeah. and and love it.
0: Big fan of Greg Dan and spent a couple of years with him in Minnesota and really got to know him well. And and we've kind of we've kind of stayed connected ever since. So. Uh, you know, like yeah, not the burliest, meanest guy out there, but uh, not not shy from it either. Like you will see some American defenders be. He never really shied away from that, and, and really took to the box game as well. I remember a night he actually fought Sean Evans. Didn't do well, but uh, hung in there with him. And and I think a guy that just goes about his business and gets the job done night after night and and like I don't know too many GMs that wouldn't take Greg Downing on their team and and consistent eighteen games eighteen games eighteen like healthy and and just consistent gamer man and and a great dude to go along with it so welcome to the stable G Downs Greg Downing you are this week's Stampede Stallion of the week. Brad, your pick next week for EP 116. Let's get to break. Man, half an hour out of the gates here. We're going to quarter two. Calls to the hall. Richie Kilgore, Buffalo Bandits coming up next. Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds
2: like this: Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're gonna have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores. Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com/tickets today. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Bob Watson. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. All right,
0: lacrosse fans, we are back. We are into the second quarter. It's J. Kelly, Brad Schellner with you. Lax Class 115 in progress. And you just heard from the Vancouver Warriors right there, Brad Vancouver VancouverWarriors.com. Nothing's outside. Hashtag be a warrior and the Warriors Academy as we record here on a Monday evening actually kicks off here tonight. How exciting is this? Vancouver Warriors Academy out there at the Langley event center field house. Eight weeks straight of skill development, much like the fall camp. Uh, Mitch Jones, Chris Gill, Matt Beers, Riley Lowen, and joined by the first couple of weeks by the general manager Dan Richardson, and of course Eric Penny running the goalie camp out there as well. Probably still time to set up if you're not uh, signed up already. You might miss one night, not a big deal. Three forty-nine plus GST, or if you're a season ticket holder or academy member, two ninety-nine plus GST. And plan is to get Eric Penny on the program next week. Talk about that opening week out there at the Warriors Academy. Vancouverwarriors.com, Warriors Academy tab. It's all there for you. Check it out. Nothing's offside. So we'll look forward to Eric Penny next week. But uh, right here, right now, this week, our calls to the hall Goes out to Buffalo Bandit legend, 18-year career, 12 as the captain of the Bandits, Richie Kilgore on the program. Rich, thanks so much for doing this. Welcome to LAX Class. How are you?
4: Well, thanks for having me, man. I'm
0: doing well. What are you up to, man? Uh, I I know, like, everybody's kind of been locked down and and hunkered down with with COVID going on, but uh, I haven't seen you around in in quite some time. What's Rich Kilgore Kilgore been up to the last uh, year or so?
4: Well, like you said, with the whole COVID thing, I, uh, you know, pretty much been trying to stay at home. And, you know, actually, it's pretty sad. My life really didn't change that much at all. I uh kind of a homebody, and, you know, it, now it, it's uh, it's uh, the right thing to do to stay home. So, you know, I uh, still just kind of hang around, follow the, the game a little bit. And, uh, you know, like, just can't wait for this thing to be over. <laughs>
2: What's your what's your connection to the sport right now, Rich? Are you affiliated with any any teams anywhere? Are we gonna see it pop up somewhere in the near future? Like what what's going on with uh, you uh
4: Yeah, right now I haven't you know, I'm not affiliated with anyone except for the uh Niagara Lake midget team and uh other than that, you know, I, I uh gave up the Six Nations job just, you know, with nine years of travel and all that and you know, even by the end, uh, you know, the halfway through all the all, there, I was kind of missing the stuff. But, you know, no one's called me or anything like that. And uh, I'm just really, uh, after, you know, after 18 years of coaching, and I think I was a coach for nine or, you know, so that was 20, you know, well over 25 years. And so it was nice to have a break, but, you know, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But uh, I'm open to anything.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that with all that being said, 18-year career playing nine years, you're you're looking you're looking to get back on an LL bench somewhere somehow.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, if the right thing comes along, you know, like I'm i not I haven't applied for any jobs and no one's called me. So as you know, maybe later I will get a, a little more aggressive in trying to find something. But as of right now, if someone uh, wants me, you know, my phone's still on and. But as far as going out and you know beating down doors, uh, you know I'm kind of enjoying a little time off, and who knows when this will get going again, and maybe that'll change. But as of right now, I, I'm kind of happy where I'm at, and uh, we'll just see, you know, play it by uh, see where the wind blows.
2: Street free agent Rich Kilgore, ladies and gentlemen, come here first. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought... Rich, let's let's go. Uh, let's go back to early days. You know where did where did you first find this game? Who put the stick in your hand?
4: Uh, I, I, I'm actually Native American, so I grew up in uh, western New York and on a, a reservation called the Tuscarora Reservation. And it's right near, uh, like, Lewiston, New York, Niagara Falls. And, you know, one of the things I did, it's what it, I told the story a couple times, but it, it just had to be meant to be to uh, play lacrosse. Uh, I grew up, like, literally 50 yards from a uh, lacrosse stick factory, you know, back in the day when they had all – everyone used wooden sticks. Awesome. On our reservation, there was actually a lacrosse stick factory. And so I grew up 50 yards from that. You know, being on the res, I had a stick in my hand at a very young age. And, you know, just <laughs> to further go along, like, I'm not making this up. My first job ever – at about twelve or thirteen, was uh, actually bending the old wooden lacrosse sticks.
0: <laughs>
4: that's wow. awesome. So and, then, and are, you know, are mohawk sticks,
0: before- Did, Richie? Were they mohawk? What, what kind of what kind of sticks were they?
4: No, they're they're um. It back in the day. I don't know if you would even remember, but there's uh the factory was called Tusculi Crafts, and there was a, a gentleman named Wesley Patterson who was Tuscarora. Oh,
0: Patterson, Patterson. Yeah. Was- okay. That's that's yep. that's yeah, the Patterson name I would know it stick. under Patterson. Yeah.
4: Yep. So and uh, actually, even before he started bending sticks. My mother knew how to string sticks, so she would get the sticks from the barn, have to string them up. And, uh, you know, like me and my brothers would pull thongs for her. For people that don't know, those are, you know, back in the old traditional stringing, the leather straps that came through, they're hard to get through the old wooden sticks. Yeah. So we, my mom had a bit of arthritis. We used to pull them through for her. So I think she used to get like a dollar and a quarter a stick. So we used to get like 25 cents for pulling, uh, thongs. So, <laughs> you know, so we're kind of, kind of, kind of big big leagues with a dollar in our pocket at uh you know school the next day no <laughs>
0: doubt no doubt uh and and we had we had Darius on probably a month month and a half ago but one thing i didn't ask him rich was was about travis and and i haven't heard about travis or known about travis for quite some time and for people like he he had a pretty short playing career but man did he have some talent in that big frame of his uh, a lefty kind of a crease guy what what's travis been doing uh this past little while as well
4: well, you know, just like anyone else, he uh, always had a regular job while playing in the MLL. So, uh, out on our reservation here, there's a guy, uh, the uh, company's called uh, Smoking Joe's, and there's actually right. a guy named Joe Anderson.
0: I got a shirt. So a I sm- got a shirt a c- from Smoking Joe's.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been around for, you know, a long time now, and he actually has his uh, cigarette factory out here. And Trav was actually a pipe fitter by trade before he started, so those machines have a lot of, plate-fitting type, okay. uh, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. stuff
4: that you have to do. So he uh, got a job with Joe there. He still works there. His uh, son plays lacrosse all the way up to midget. He coached him for a while. And, you know, everyone thinks his career was so short. He, I think he played about eight or nine years. So
0: Could he have been he the best had, like, out of the three of you guys, Rich, if he, if he put his mind? Like, I know he was like me. Like, he never really dedicated himself to getting in the best shape he could. But, man, was he good.
4: Oh, no. he had, You know, with that big frame, you know, that's why I said that. Uh, the world was lucky he wasn't as mean as Darius. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, he just, he was just that type of kid. He was always, this is where I came in my head. This is what I think happened. He was always bigger as a little kid. Yeah. So he, you know, there was always, oh, don't be so rough with those other kids. So he kind of got, you know, told to tone it down all the time, because, you know, me and Darius were both a little bit rough, and we'd rough little him bit, up. A little bit. Yeah, a little <laughs> here and there, so, <laughs> you know, and, it, you know, he'd learn some tricks from us and probably go do it to his friends, but, you know, Trav was always, you know, he looked like a kid, uh, you'd see the school picture, he looked like he failed three years or something. yeah, yeah. because <laughs> yeah, he, he was just a head taller than everyone.
3: Let but, him, you know. Yeah. No.
4: <laughs> He, he, he really didn't fail. He was just that much bigger than everyone. So again, he and you know what, you were absolutely 100% right. He had a just a absolutely so talented, and for such a big guy, he had really soft hands around the crease. He, yeah. And he was he was a great pick and roll guy. I mean, if he got his you know his body on the wrong on the wrong side of the defense, then Forget that guy it. was out of the play for yeah. sure. Yeah. So you know, JT still says to this day one of the favorite lefties he played with was uh, Trask because you know, just a big body and.
0: Yeah, get, you know, me, open. get me open,
4: get me open, young buck.
2: Yeah, no doubt.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> talk about that aggression that is you know so ingrained in, in the Kilgore name. It's like you know, some was we had we had Darius on, on, on about a month ago, and you know, much much like yourself, like so thoughtful and so well spoken about the game of lacrosse. And and but when we think about the way that you guys played and what you represented, it was it was old school and physical. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some brotherly rivalry that helps that out, but. You know, what What made you guys such intense lacrosse players?
4: I, I think, yeah, a lot of it was, just like you said, brothers about a year and a half apart. So, you know what I mean? I'd try and do something or, you know, go play a sport. Darius would pick it up, and then next thing we'd play in the backyard. The next thing after that, we are in a fight, and, you know, and it was just always who was going to get the next one up. And, you know, Darius is just incredible, you know, uh, player himself. But when we were, uh, you know, I'm the oldest by about – I don't know, almost two years, so I kind of, <laughs> I was bigger and stronger. I dominated him for, you know, forever. <laughs> I and, love and, it. You know, that's, that's, he'll, he'll admit it. I, I was stronger, you know, faster, whatever, all that. And, uh, you know, if we had 300 fights, I probably only lost one. And then we got to about sixteen, seventeen, 17, and he got bigger and stronger than me. So I immediately retired from the fighting Derek game. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's
0: over. It's yeah.
4: over.
3: <laughs> so, but,
4: you know, and we had an old school dad who, uh, you know, just kind of instilled in us, you know, stick up for what's right and do this. And, Did he play Rich? You know. Did he play again? That? No, he he was actually not native, but he ended up marrying my mother. And okay. And I think he had, he grew up around the res, like a one town over or something. He'd seen lacrosse and he loved it growing up. So, Without ever playing, he actually coached us. And, you know, my dad was a pretty smart guy. He, he figured it out pretty quick and just taught us all the basic skills. And then for me and Darius being competitive and, you know, it's funny, the, the other day I seen an old buddy from high school and we we're talking, you know, old glory days, Bruce Springsteen stuff. And he just uh, brought up how he couldn't, he didn't, you know, the one thing you remember from high school about playing sports with me and my brother were that how intense we were. And to me and Darius, that was just the way you played. But to some hundred people, I guess we were uh, a little bit. Yeah, over well, line hey,
0: there, so. I mean, that's probably a big <laughs> reason why both of you ended up in the, in the hall. I mean, the talent was there, but the, the, the fire in the belly I think is what put you guys over the top. And, and I know my, my first experience uh, watching you guys play, I believe uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think you were on the 93 Brampton team in Coquitlam or no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. and then with with Six Nations uh, back in the West a couple of years later, and and that was really kind of when my my eyes opened to the Kilgores. Uh But correct me if I'm wrong on this as well, Rich. Eight championship games, winning four of them, and you mentioned you're you're a couple of years older than Darris, but he was actually the coach of you for the last championship. I I want to say in 2008. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, no, that is absolutely
4: right. I'm, uh, like I said, two years older, but Darius had the, uh, you know, I guess it's our family curse with the uh, bad hips. So he had a I, – I think he was done at like 31, 32. I mean, maybe he made it to 33, but he had to retire early and, you know, had, you know, two new hips by the time he was 40. But, you know, he got right into coaching right away. Steve Govett gave him his uh, first break there. I think they were in Washington. Yeah. And that was so you know, but he had both gates, and that gave him a start. And then you know, come full circle, he, you know, going back, he was the first rash pick ever of the uh, bandits. And then you know, he came back and coached us after we had a little down downturn there. And then he, you know, filled the, you know, uh, the was, old marine. What was that like, though? Getting, you know,
0: getting coached by your little brother. What was what was that like? You were the captain, he was the coach, but you're you're older than him. That that's quite the dynamic.
4: Yeah, yeah, no, and you know what I think we were both uh no matter what even like when we were younger and I was saying, you know, we fought all the time. Once we started playing on the same team at a high level like junior A and all that stuff, we we cut all that stuff out and when we got to the rink, you know what I mean, anything that had happened at home was left at home and when we got to the rink, it was just, you know, we we were both just focused on what what could we do to help our team win that night. So but you know, it, it was uh, just a long journey because you know, growing up, that uh, you know, year and a half apart, we played together every other year. probably got three or four years of junior in together. Then we probably got you know, I think eight or nine years with the bandits. Probably eight or nine in the summertime, you know, as teammates. And then you know, he had the unfortunate thing of the bad hips, and he kept. But he loved lacrosse, kept going, and you know, he was a top-notch coach. And it was you know just a pleasure to be a captain for a coach that held uh, you know people accountable. And he, you know, from the the 25th guy was treated pretty much the exact same as the number one guy. And when that comes from the top down, you know, to be a captain, that makes your job so much easier.
2: I I don't know if it's a trivia question that you might know the answer to, Rich, but are you the longest serving captain in the history of the National Lacrosse League?
4: I, You know what I've read, you know, when you get into, uh, you know, like the end of your career and they're going over stuff. That's I've read that somewhere, but I have no idea of knowing that. But I'll well, take it. I think it. you are. Gonna, you I know. think you are.
2: You'll take it. Was that ever yeah. Was that ever a question? Like, in, you know, let's just say year eight of the 12-year run of being a captain, did it ever come up in, a, you know, in a bandits room from from the coaching staff or from management that you know of that was like, are we looking at a different captain this year, or is this our guy? Like, was that ever in question in 12 years? You know.
4: Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm sure it was. I'm sure you know every time a new coach came in, you know, they kind of wanted their guy or. I don't know someone, you know what I mean. I just as a me coaching later too, you know, you kind of feel it out, but you have a pretty good idea of who you want, and you know, straight. Out, I think uh you know, I think the first guy who named the captain was Les wakeling and he was there for a couple of years, and I believe swicky came in, and you know, he he made it very honest, and he said, I think that one went up to a vote or something, and. Again, you know, no, believe me, and and the Buffalo Bandit culture, no one campaigns for captain. We just do our stuff, and then whoever voted on. So, again, I, you know, I ended up being captain there. Then I think we had Frank Nielsen. Darius told me, you know, I might pick one of my own guys. You know, they all kind of gave the same speech, and somehow I, again, without ever politicking, asking anything like that, I just kind of kept being captain, and then I think at the end they, uh... (laughs) Didn't know how to take the C off the jersey, so they just, just kept it on there. I
0: just kind of kept on being captain. As we speak with Rich Kilgore, how is Les Wakely not in the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of
4: Fame? That is a huge, uh, I don't know how that snub ever happened. He won six in a row.
0: Travesty. Like with an two, absolute travesty.
4: With, with two different teams. And I mean, basically, you know, a lot of the same players, but... Yeah, I think anyone who's played at that level or been around, you know, really good teams at that level, winning a uh, man cup, anything. I don't care if you have all the talent in the Six world. In a
0: row. If you don't
4: have a good coach and a good locker room culture, you ain't going to win anything. Yeah. So, you know, for Les Wakeling to get that Pretty much same group of guys to buy in six years in a row. A
0: few personalities you know, in just, that in those rims, too, like some some <laughs> pretty big personalities in there. Like it wasn't all role oh, play, yeah. like you know, like you're talking heavy hitters up and down.
4: Oh, Paul Gay, Darius Kilver, John Tavares. I mean, in Branson, uh, Jimmy Zolt Troy Cordingley. <laughs> Uh, you know, Brian Shanahan, Dave Suckamore, uh, the Coyle brothers.
0: Well, now I'm thinking, yeah. hey, maybe maybe I could have coached that team to six wins now, Rich. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh,
4: buddy, go ahead. I, I would love to see you try and tell either Coil. Yeah, brother right. that he did something right. wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially Mike. Especially Mike. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you talked about culture and experience and, and, and that sort of stuff, Rich, and and. You got the opportunity or, or may I say the privilege to be the head coach of, of the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships for the Iroquois Nationals and, and most recently in 2019 in Langley. And, you know, talking with, with people in, in and around that organization, you come away with, with the silver. But I think the experience is is so much greater and, and deeper than than what kind of medal you come home with in a tournament like that. Can you – can you put into words what it what it means or what it meant to you to to be the guy in charge of that team and and just the the spiritual journey that you guys went on together?
4: Yeah, I mean it's it's something that is it's so hard to explain because it really is, especially being a you know Native American and coaching the Iroquois Nationals against the rest of the world, and especially with you know what I mean. Like I bet you every other country that is in the uh, the tournament, regardless of their Skill level has probably—I uh, don't know how many more people than you. If you add up all the native, you know, communities we draw from, yeah. And then we, you know, like you said, we keep we keep getting silver, and you know, not kind on of what I hope someday they're going to figure out how to, you know, we figure out a way to get one more gold than them. But to go with our numbers and you know that stuff, and the you know be the second best in the entire world at lacrosse is a pretty incredible thing when you really think about it and then like you said the, you know no just be grow up in the culture of the native americans invented it and you know it was it really was a game of war back then and you know who knows that my great 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 grandfather might have played in some game you know back in the woods here around my reservation or something how they used to play back in the old days so it definitely takes on a you know maybe a, a different meaning for the native guys and as You know, you rarely get to play on an all-native. You never get to play on an all-native team when you're growing up. So, I mean, some of the kids get it now with the, uh, you know, national championships and peewee and all that stuff. But at time, there was no anything all-natives playing together. So it was a great thing to be a part of it. And, you know, I think we almost – we really had a great chance there in Syracuse and then, uh, you know, out in Langley there. They, Canada was just a little bit too deep for us, and we had some guys Ding-dong. not play, And uh, you know, and then – uh Dougie Jameson gets her first game. Wow. Lyle Thompson yeah. gets her first game. So again, I, there are excuses. You know, I don't. I'm not trying to make excuses, but we had some breaks that didn't go our ways. And but at the same time, just the overall experience, I would I would do it every four year, just, years. Just just for the year. merch you know
0: alone, Richie. Just for the merchandise alone, like. I, oh.
4: Did you did you see that in Langley? Like oh, man, got I, I was oh, wrapped
2: around the concourse. I, and that was, like, yeah.
4: before games even started, like, yeah. two yeah. hours ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. There'd I, be other games, say, there be
2: other games happening while that was going on. There'd be two poor, yeah. two poor teams on the floor playing, looking up at the lineup, going, what the
4: hell? <laughs> yeah, no one watching them. They were just trying yeah. to get the old uh, headdress, yeah. but... You know, and I got to say, I I love the Stars and Stripes. I love the Maple Leaf, but I I I got it. I think that. the Iroquois has the can't, coolest
0: can't coolest logo. Oh, it's it's undeniable, and, and the the stuff like I I you know picked up a couple shirts and a sweatshirt and, but the jerseys, man, like I just like they just best thing I've ever seen on a lacrosse floor.
4: Yeah, that's I mean, like you really you know you got I got to give them a lot of props because every time the Iroquois ever go to some you know world uh, event. Nike just, you know, goes all out and that stuff is so so cool looking. And it was funny the one time my uh, son found a picture, Michael Westbrook from uh Yeah, I NBA saw that. Where, yeah. Yeah, wearing a Iroquois national How shirt. I think, Dang man, I think I I have that same shirt.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Talk about especially
4: the, uh, that guy. I I don't know if you've ever seen his fashion boy. Yeah, oh. he's
2: he's out there. He's oh. out there. <laughs> one of the big stories uh of this year rich was was some of the news out of out of six nations and possibly the chiefs looking at folding if they don't get fan support and financial support the next couple of years um you know your guy that was behind that bench for a long time and and won there you know how, how did you take that news this year do you think do you think there's a chance that that team goes away and what would that do to the community if it if it did leave
4: well i, I don't know if you guys heard and i'm not even if i'm at liberty to say this but uh um, The big benefactor there, Kenny Hill, uh, just passed away. Oh, no. Yeah, so uh, as far as that, I mean, and even without Kenny, you know, uh, passing away, he was the guy kind of the, you know, the uh, wallet behind the yeah. piece. Yeah. And he, uh, mm-hmm. he, it was, you know, you've seen the crowds they get there for the talent
0: that was there. And uh, what do you, you think know, that cast, is, Rich? You do, do you think it's a case that, you know, you're bringing in some some guys from off the res and and high end talent, no question about it. But do you think the team would be more supportive if it was all local players?
4: I uh, yeah. You know what? I think I think they really would be because you look at the junior B's and the junior A. Yeah. And they really, you know, they they do really stick to mostly. I mean, they get a few imports in the junior, a, but I mean, the, the junior B's are pretty much all six nation kids. The junior A is probably ninety. And junior Bs, uh, B's get Nation the most, kids. right? The junior Bs get the most. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But, uh,
0: yeah, I think, and it's also a thing going, you know,
4: so the, the people on the, the Six Nations Red love their, their boys. So, And then, you know what, if you're going to two or three games a week and, you know, when you get a chance, I don't know. I, to me, I'd rather go see the, you know, the the big boys play, so, you know, against the big boys. But, yeah, I mean, you look at even out west, you know, they – I, I don't they have some pretty stacked teams, and they don't really draw that well, so yeah. I think summertime just hard to get people to go indoors and it's it's one of those things I also think like people have watched that you know the top level talent for pretty much for free forever, yeah. so no one wants to shell out a ten dollar bill to go watch <laughs> an n l l game a lot of nights, you know what I mean it's yeah. incredible to me, but yeah. at the same time hey it's it's their choice, and uh that that that's the way it is.
2: You know, I have heard it was Tyson Balmberry this summer, saying like basically he had or not this summer, um, basically saying you know he has three goals growing up, and one was to win a man cup with the Chiefs, one was to to put on the Iroquois jersey, and one was to win a Minto cup
4: with the arrows.
2: And you know, does a kid now have to have different goals, or or is or is becoming uh, winning a man cup with the Chiefs becoming less and less of a of an attractive goal now?
4: Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be tough because I mean especially with the uh, the outdoor league now, really, uh, you know, those guys are getting a nice check there. And a lot of these guys, yeah, we get a little gas money. Aspix Nation gives a little more than most. And, you know, us in Peterborough pretty much do the best with that gas money thing. But now guys are, you know, it's a really rough game. You get paid peanuts, you know, and if if you tear a knee or something and you, you know, lose that NLL or that outdoor gig and you lose the big bucks there, I think a lot of guys are just finding it's not worth it, you know, kind of to do it. So I guess your goals might change a little bit. And you know, I would still love to see six nations keep a team in there somehow, but, you know, and I'm not being mean to the guys and I completely understand it. But if you say, you know, you got to play for free, some guys, I think a lot of guys would have a, you know, problem doing that. Not not just because of the, the money aspect, but the beating you take and all that stuff when, you could go make a couple bucks doing the exact same thing somewhere else. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, Brad and I have, have talked at it about it. <clears throat> excuse me at length that we really think that Canadian summer lacrosse has to get to a place where pro players don't play. Now, you still compete for the Man Cup, but if you're playing in the National Lacrosse League or you're a PLL player and i get it you want to you want to make every cent you can while while you have the chance to make it but uh, i think for the the game in order for it to move forward i think that's the direction it's got to go in and and that requires you know these professional leagues paying these guys enough to not play in in summer lacrosse so it's a bit of a crossroads and, and who knows this this whole covid time may be the the tipping point for for, for that uh as as we move forward last one here for you for you hall of fame famer rich kilgore we ask all our hall of famers this if if you could put one guy in and, and we're taking junior we're taking doyle and we're taking willie out of the conversation because they're going in as far as we're concerned but if you could pick one guy who is not in the national Cross league hall of fame that you think belongs in there who would that be
4: holy macaroni that's a tough one because you know
0: what i uh I really don't follow how much, you know who
4: goes in every year or anything like that.
0: Well, they haven't put From anybody training. in for a while. So, I mean, think back. I mean, 18 years there in Buffalo, uh, you know, you, you got a guy like maybe like a, a Pat McCready or, uh, you know, a Billy D. Smith who's not in yet. You can pick anybody, defender, offense, no goalies though because there's enough of those guys in there and, and we don't want Chugger's head getting in. <laughs> yeah.
4: But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially those guys, there's only – freaking thirteen of them right? the whole league and they're sending in two every I year. Know. It's like, Jesus. Give me a break, guys. But um let me think, and I, I just got a comment on like you said, Doyle and Junior and Willie. And I like you said I played against all three of those guys and just played with a couple of them and it's this an absolute honor. And those are probably three guys that are just gonna be in there. like you said, no problem. Um the guys you mentioned, like you said, and I played with two McCready and Billy D, obviously I think you know, they they both have a really good chance to get in there, I think, once the, their uh, careers age a little bit. And people can take into account that, you know, defensemen make have no stats whatsoever, even if you play great defense. And, you know, the, the one guy that's probably on earth that I played with the most and is not in there. And no one mentioned is uh, Mark Steenhouse. I
0: was just gonna say. I was gonna say he's Oh, yeah. well, no, not not a transition guy. Yet. Yeah,
2: we're, we're still waiting on the official retirement <laughs> from uh, from you You keeping everybody lingering in suspense.
4: Yeah, yeah, and you know what? That guy, he was just incredible there for uh, seven, eight years. Just I mean, just unstoppable. And he I'm talking Chambers. in practice. Man. Yeah, yeah. We had we had some we were really good defenders, and we you know we used to run that double defense, and we do it in practice. And we would just get so frustrated because we could not double Mark in his prime, like yeah. with some really yeah. good defensemen. And you know, we'd, we'd get him, we'd we double him, you know, here and there. But for uh, you know, if I had say the guy used to run with Chris White, and we went to double oh, almost anyone, we'd get them more than they'd get us. But Mark was. <laughs> He was a different beast, man. That kid in his prime and, you know, he was just up the floor, down the floor, all over the place. Yeah. and, and he really reinvented energy. himself
0: too near the end of his career to kind of hang on for a few more years playing a transition role as well, but never never met a shot he didn't he didn't like though. Hey, Richie, like he He, oh, he was open a no, lot, you know.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's what uh yeah, yeah, the old uh what did he he was open like uh 7-11 and
0: there you go. You know. <laughs> Yeah, uh,
4: yeah. The only time, oh my God, he he was and what a, I mean, an absolute character. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, I, you know, I watched those Buffalo was, Bandit, uh, you know, school programs and stuff, and like I'd never seen anybody whip a, a gymnasium full of kids up more than than Stainhouse as well. Like he was perfect for that stuff.
4: Oh, and you know what? He was uh Peter Pan. He was the leader of the kids. You know, he's just a big kid who never grew up. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know when you're you're at the same. Yeah, he's a really smart guy, but you know, I think if you know what I mean, if you're at the same thinking level as like ten year olds, <laughs> the ten year olds are yeah. gonna go nuts. Hey, for you it, just, so. just having <laughs> fun.
2: Just having. I'm fun. not saying he has. I'm
4: not saying he has the brain of a ten year old. I'm no, saying he has the energy no, no. of a ten year old.
2: I hear. You. I hear you. I know
0: you're saying. okay. We're we're officially putting uh, Stainer down for your submission for the NLL Hall of Fame. Hey Richie, I I can't thank you enough for your time man it's been a fabulous conversation congrats on a an amazing playing career and, and a great coaching career as well and i don't think it's going to be too long before we see you back in the national lacrosse league on a bench somewhere man i uh, appreciate your time and thanks for doing this i hope you're well yeah we'll see what happens and uh no thanks for uh, i love talking all the time lacrosse so uh you
4: know don't lose my number
0: you got it man there he is <laughs> nll hall of famer rich kilgore 2010 inductee and and you mentioned it brad longest serving captain in the national lacrosse league 12 out of his 18 years in buffalo and a transition man assists uh much higher than his goal totals but a really a player that could just do it all on the lacrosse floor and more often than not he did
4: yeah,
2: and yeah, led led absolutely by example, and, and had the brains to become a, a coach after the fact too. So you're right. I think it's not long before he finds another gig because that guy thinks the game and exemplifies the game and leads men. So he, just, you know, he checks all the boxes of of someone you want to kind of follow into battle and follow into war. So we wish the best of luck to Rich Goldberg.
0: Look up Buffalo Bandit legend in, in the dictionary. There is a picture of
2: numbers hanging in Rich the yeah, in there's only a few retired numbers in the National Lacrosse League. He has one of them.
0: Well deserved and great conversation there with one Rich Kilgore. Let's get to break, Brad. Let's head to the third quarter. Quick sticks are coming up next. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network.
2: Associated labels and packaging. A fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience an extensive product catalog. And an ever growing fleet of equipment. Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Joe Nardella from the New England Black Wolves. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time welcome back
0: on lax class lacrosse classified here in the lacrosse flash podcast network into the third quarter we go halftime is over J. kelly brad Challenger with you quick sticks comes up in quarter number three and we know quick sticks brought to you by manscaped of course but before that i have to tell you about associated labels and packaging Sean Ashworth and the gang down there in Coquitlam, over 40 years of experience, family-owned, ethics, quality, they got it all down there. Associated Labels and Packaging, a full-service packaging manufacturer with both digital and flexi printing capabilities. In addition to creating labels and flexible packaging, they have an on-site equipment division that creates custom machinery and... Software. A lot of big names uh, and words in that uh, little paragraph there, Brad. What I can tell you is if you need a label or a package, associated labels and packaging is your place to go. AssociatedLP.com. Tell them Jake sent you from Lex Glass. Quick sticks here, quarter three. What do we got, Brad? Uh, let's start off with some local news. Pete Tellis being hired. Uh, we've been kind of alluding to this for a couple of weeks. Uh, it's not a big secret. Well, maybe it was. I don't know. Pete Tellis, new head coach for the Junior A Adnax. What do you think?
2: Will succeed one Patrick Coyle. It was supposed, um, to supposed, to, yeah, supposed to be Kyle Sorensen. It was supposed to be Kyle Sorensen who never got a chance to coach because we missed the season, and now apparently he's moved back to the
0: borough has yes, Kyle Sorensen. Yes, Is that yeah. breaking news too? So yeah, look but those guys are still good. They're coaching Team Austria together, and, and sorry, I guess, uh, just made the move home, missed the borough, and, and decided to go home. So Pete us, not going to tell you who his assistants are quite yet, Brad. I know who they are, but they haven't announced it, and I don't want to upstage anybody, so we'll just uh, keep okay, that I under wraps. That. But, yeah,
2: what a what a legacy of coaching. That's, that's the most prized sort of coaching gig in the BC Junior a Lacrosse League, maybe Coquitlam, Victoria, New West, but those, uh, you know, it's been Kurt Malowski, it's been Pat Coyle, it's been Dan Perot, it's been, who else has been behind that bench? Jake Elliott behind that bench <laughs> in 2006. I was waving I frantically at you there. <laughs> Pick me! 2005, 2006 yeah. for a season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a long list of lacrosse lineage, and Pete Tallis is is a great lacrosse mind. Like, I, I first met Pete in the 2008 u19 world championship and i got to do play by play and he did color for some games you yeah. know we're, we're talking like
0: <laughs> finland
2: versus germany uh, and we, you know where we just learned learning the names on the fly but uh he really gets day man yeah he was able to pick apart those defenses and a long gritty playing career in the wla prepares you for for life in general. Uh, and Former um, captain of the birds as well, yeah. Yeah,
0: behind no, I, the bench with
2: the Burnaby Lakers in senior A. He's a firefighter off the floor, so uh, he's a leader, and he'll make a great fit there in Coquitlam. And, and probably the next step before he gets behind an NLL bench yeah. in some capacity one day.
0: Won't be too long, and and I coached with Pete for a lot of years, and and he just, like, surpassed me as far as his coaching mind went and, and goes. So uh you're right. It won't be long before an NLL bench comes a call-in for Pete Tell. So congratulations, junior A's head coach. Uh a uh, quick shout-out goes out to my man Sakani and a tribe called Red for uh, their continued support with the beats and the intro and all that sort of stuff. So I know my man Sakani's still uh, cranking out some new content. If you want to check him out on Instagram, he's always making new beats. Um, what else do we got here? XOL News spread, uh, unfortunately, cancelled. Uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry extending the protocols and, and restrictions and just unable to get off the ground so uh refunds are in the mail i, I guess uh, you could say for the xll and if we can get uh, some things loosened up we're gonna hold a few open sessions to get guys ready for nll season just to get a run in if we can do that a little closer to the spring so stay tuned for that we'll be in touch Somebody asked me what's going on with Emily Goss. Uh, I was doing Emily Goss updates after her accident for for quite some time and then kind of tailed off on that. And I said, good point. Uh, I should do an Emily Goss update. So just watching Emily's uh, Instagram and and her social media, the progress she has made since her accident has been astonishing. And, And every now and then they'll go back and they'll show like a video of her when she first got out of the hospital to where she is at now and it is just mind-boggling how hard she has worked and and how far she has come so keep it up Emily like uh, it's just been incredible to watch her progress so I wanted to get an Emily Goss update in there Steve Priolo, I got Priolo on the pond here, Brad. Did you see his Instagram account out there on, like, the frozen lake of Niagara? I don't know what lake it was, but wielding the lacrosse stick with a net on the, on the jets out there, spinning around, shooting the ball. This looked epic.
2: I, I did not see it. Oh that. my God. Look I, it paint, up right you're now. Painting a nice picture in my mind, though. Check and out Priolo. Steve Priolo just continues to be the most interesting man in <laughs> lacrosse. He's got that <laughs> crown right now, whether he's, you know, yeah. cooking up deer with Nick Weiss out in the bush somewhere, or living in a van in <laughs> Victoria, just or awesome. playing lacrosse hockey or lacrosse on. Uh, on a frozen lake somewhere. Like, Just, seriously, check it he's, out, he's, man! It is incredible. Legend.
0: He's a legend. Absolutely incredible. Uh, legendary status goes out to Dan Lomas, friend of the program, raising money for small businesses in Ontario. This is a bar stool thing that they started, kind of saving small businesses due to COVID, and Dan Lomas decided to kind of take on, on this himself for Ontario, and is, I mean, like he was soliciting. All sorts of people like Ryan Reynolds and Joe Sy and like big time, like famous Canadians. And ask, he was up to like 10 grand in, in a couple of hours here helping out small. Like, good on you, Dan Lomas.
2: Putting that high point education to, to good use is Dan Lomas. Oh, yeah. I would love to. Love to see that. And yeah, shop, shop local. That was something I tried to do over the holidays, especially at Christmas time, was, was try to you know challenge the family to buy our Christmas gifts from our own backyard. So continue to to shop local, support local. Shopping Keep online. our communities afloat. It's still shopping
0: local. Snappy tackle, mushroom uh, A couple more things here on Quick Sticks before we get to court four and Jimmer. Uh, a little update on the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame roundtable. Lacrosse and La- I can't remember what they're calling it, but it's going down on Sunday, one o'clock. I never got the time changed, so I just got to live with that. But a uh, bit of guest change. John Fusco, Brooklyn Redmond legend, is out. Orangeville Northman legend in as uh, Lindsey Sanderson. So double Sanderson on, on the round table here. Lindsey Sanderson, his nephew, Josh Sanderson. So Lindsey was Terry's brother. And Josh, of course, Terry's son. So Uncle Lindsey, Josh Sanderson, Russ Hurd, Pat Coyle, and Dan Stroop. I like this is not going to be fun hey, at how all. Are you,
2: how are you going to moderate <laughs> that? Like each one of those guys is worthy of a yeah. of a two-hour I know. recorded conversation. Good luck, so it- have fun uh no stupid questions this week right because last time you had chris gill calling you out for for some So, so, so it was, a bad, so it, it was oh, a bad question it was a bad i thought it was stupid no, i thought it was it a bad stupid question, question. So A dumb that, question so that's not, question. not a good okay. question
0: that's a bad question it was a hard okay, so, question he just didn't want to uh he didn't want to admit it so speaking of g- questions good luck moderating that, yeah well i like, like honestly be- i don't know how we're going to get that in in an hour like i'm more or less going to be like oh hi guys and then just like let him go, right? And they're just yeah. going to banter back and forth, I'm pretty sure. So we'll see how that goes. Tune in. It's on Facebook Live. Follow the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame Facebook page, and uh, we'll be streaming that live. It'll be archived as well. Speaking of questions, I didn't have this marked down in quick sticks, Brad, and we got to get going here. But what I was going to say is that, speaking of questions, this is what I was talking about. Todd LeBranch texting me over the week, Brad, and uh, the referee crew chief has weighed in once again and unfortunately for me, he has ruled in your favor as far as yes, no tough, tough question does not get a ding. It stays with good or great question. That's the only way you get a ding. Tough question. No, says Todd LeBranch, not reviewable. And uh, I said, well, you can give me a, a two minute misconduct for, uh, delay a game and, and might as well. Yeah. And sportsway Give me a 10 minute misconduct. Cause I'm not sending a, a guy over to the bench either.
2: Well, I'm not arguing this call. No. this is a call that I totally agree with ref ref calls. It's yeah, like no,
0: he's, my... he's made the ruling and we got to abide I'm not by
2: arguing. It. I'm arguing that call. I will, uh, I will. I will send the team out onto the power play and we will, uh, we will get going. Post post haste. <laughs> okay. So good. thanks ref for, for listening again. Yeah. It. Yeah. Uh last one
0: I have here, Virtual Across Summit actually starts tonight, Brad, January the eighteenth. But this thing is gonna run every single night for the next thirty days. We're gonna have at least one speaker per night. Couple on, on some nights, but every single night for the next month, virtual across summit, check my timeline. You can sign up for this. It's free. You're gonna get amazing content. Field lacrosse, box lacrosse, men's lacrosse, women's lacrosse, officiating—it's all going to be here. Virtual lacrosse summit uh, starting. It's on now, so register and sign up for that. And and I personally will be doing uh, about five different webinars: Jeff McComb, Rob Williams, Kyle Sorensen, the aforementioned Pete Tellis, and Paul Day will be joining me for some from web chats uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks as well so tune in for that it's gonna be a lot of fun and i think that is it for quick sticks we're going to the fourth quarter something else coming up next lacrosse flash podcast network hey this is big team guy tyson geick of the lacrosse flash you're listening to lacrosse classified growing the game one podcast at a time all right, lacrosse fans, we are back. Fourth quarter time here on Lax Class. No more timeouts, no more challenges, no more reviews. We're taking you home here on Lax Class in the final frame. Jake Kelly, Brad Schellinger with you. And in quarter four, uh, we like to do a little something called something else with our friend Jim Else. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it, and let's try something else. Let's begin. Wasn't that fun? Let's try something else.
3: Oh, let's try something else. Hey, Jake and Bradley, it's Jim Els here. Uh, Time for another week of something else on the Lacrosse Classified Podcast. Two quick topics. I'll bang them out right quick. Firstly, Jake and Bradley, you did a great job filling up some dead uh, air—the recent dead air of non-lacrosse—with your analysis and talk and presentation of the BC Junior uh, Lacrosse League's draft last week. Uh, Great job, Jake. You look great in a suit. Haven't seen that in a while. And uh, and Bradley, you're always looking good in my books. Uh, Well done. Uh, Secondly and lastly, I received a package in the mail last week from Rob Dalzell, former assistant coach of the Maple Ridge Barards, and that's how I know him as a former former coach. And uh, he's on his way down to greener pastures in Mexico and was cleaning out some stuff and thought of me and shipped me a box. And this box is full of good stuff. Um, uh, NLL gloves from almost every team, um, uh, including Vancouver Stealth, uh, defunct Vancouver Stealth, uh, jerseys, rubbery. Um, uh, Riley Owen jersey from the Calgary Roughnecks, plus Rob's own graduating junior A salmon belly jersey signed personally to me, and that's one of those items that I'll never get rid of. Uh, I've got a huge collection of stuff, and I do float stuff in and out uh, occasionally, and I, I pass stuff on, and and uh, but that's not one of them. I really appreciate it. And if you know the history of Rob and mine's relationship, uh, it was a rocky one, and we've come to a really good place. And uh, you know what? I'm going to go, ma- you know, visit that guy in Mexico one of these days. Uh, 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 and have a uh, have a good time with them down there. I have passed uh, the gloves on to uh, another party that can use them better than I do. Um, But I've kept uh, kept three or four items. And I'm just super pumped. And it just shows you where relationships can go if you put a little effort into them. Have a great uh, week, everybody. And uh, I'll see you next week. Good times. Ciao.
0: There he is, Brad Schellner, good buddy, Jimmer, Jim Else there with something else. And, uh, back to positive Jim here this week. It's not Blue Monday for Jimmy, they're feeling very good, is, is Jim Else, and, uh... Man, I never thought I'd see the day when when Rob Delzell and Jim Else would become friends to the point where Robbie would <laughs> sent him like a care package of all sorts of memorabilia, including a signed jersey and a, and a framed-up picture with the two of them. Like, these two guys were ready to kill each other at one point, and now they seem to be the best of friends. And And I think the message here from Jim is – you know, no matter where your relationship starts with somebody, if you put the work in, you can become friends with just about anybody. And and these guys I never thought would become buddies and now uh, they they're ready to take a vacation together apparently.
2: Oh man, Maple Ridge and Victoria have been the most heated of rivals in the WLA in the last few years and those two fiery men mending fences is nice to see. Positive Jim, man. Like i'm seeking i'm i'm finding inspiration from hearing his positivity every week if jim can be so positive and mending yeah. all these fences we all can that's what we can take from learn here and what i also learned is that if i want some gloves and some merch i need to make some more enemies right and then mend some fences yeah. like no you know no one's sending me any gloves or any care packages or anything like that yeah. so I, I need to i need to pick some fights out yeah. there i think
0: well, start with logan and then you can, can just come knock on your door you see the picture of him and Eli snuggled under a blanket watching NFL play football <laughs> together, by the way. I don't know. Roomies, what. man. Yeah. <laughs> Roomies. Uh, that was quite the scene. Um, to, For people that don't know, like, so the Jimmer owns a, a car lot over there in Langford right by the, the Q Center or Bear Mountain Arena. And the bus with the opposing team always drives right by. I don't think Jim does this for any other team, but when Maple Ridge is, is coming through, Jim will stand right out on the corner of his lot, right on the highway, and he gives like the double gun salute to the to the bus as to... a <laughs> spot. And I think that's how it started with him and Delzell is that Jim would make a point of going out and throwing the finger to the Burard bus when it when it drove by to, for the game that
2: night. You know, going back to to <laughs> going back to Logan and Eli. <laughs> yeah. You know, and NLL just did their NLL Top Chef. I've, I'm picturing like a roommate series because there's so many guys in the league that are roommates with other guys in the league, whether they're teammates or not. Like yeah. sometimes guys are just, they shack up with friends and those are just roommates, right? Yeah. So I want to see like a roommate series. You can get the, you know, the Rock Pile House in Toronto. Right. Yeah, some of the Warriors guys that are living together, the, the McLaughlin and, and Logan House. Like it, I think there's comedy gold waiting to happen with best or worst NLL roommates.
0: I agree. That'd be good. That'd be good stuff.
2: Uh, Speaking of good, hopefully
0: you joined or enjoyed a good episode of lacrosse classified right there. We got to wrap this thing up. But not before I send out another thank you to our sponsor, Stampy Tack, the Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, Manscaped, of course, and uh, still one spot open, Brad. I, I might have a line. Uh, we might be filling that spot up. But if you're interested in getting on board with the program, find me at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com, and we can talk some turkey if you like. It's not too late. Other than that, uh, I think we're going to go now. Thanks for listening to EP 115. We'll be back next week with 116. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Throw a review down as well. That would be great. Follow Brad at Brad Chow. Follow me at PXB for Sports. The show is at Glass or Lacrosse Classified on the old Instagram handle as well. That's going to do it for EP115. Thanks for listening. For Brad Chellin, I've been Jake Kelly. And for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, stay safe and stay healthy, everybody.